I don't have to focus on becoming a leader. The point is to become yourself. To use yourself completely, all your skills, your gifts, your energies, in order to make your vision manifest. You must withhold nothing. Hello, my friend, and welcome to this third installment of our series on our leaders born or made. These are Friday episodes. They're called Solo Friday. I'm Nate Sala. I'm so glad that you're here as we unpack one new leadership tool each week to add to your leadership tool belt. So it's not a frenzy where we go through 12 top things. You know, It's so difficult sometimes to remember all 12 things in one episode. You see that a lot. And I commend my colleagues for having that depth of content. But in these episodes, I like to cover just one area, one area, one thing, one aspect, one characteristic of your leadership that you can hold on to. And this for the whole week, you can learn and grow and adapt and add that to your repertoire of leadership abilities and skills so that you can become a more effective leader so you can aim for greatness and ultimately so that you can live an irresistible offer of a life, not just for you, but as you move into the irresistibility of your own life, that you wake up every morning or every evening or whenever you wake up and recognize that my life is so irresistible and that irresistible life becomes contagious. So if I can't live a life that's irresistible, how could I have a leadership that drives in that same direction for those of us who desire to follow us. So you say, Nate, I don't really care to have an irresistible life. I just want to have a ho-hum life, a mediocre life. And I'm going to say, friend, that's a self-limiting belief. That's a belief that limits the possibilities because there's so much potential for you in this moment, in this life. Don't settle for mediocre don't settle for a life that's just hmm or meh, as my kid would say. There's so much more to enjoy and the fullness of life. And as a leader, we get to have the beauty and the wonder and the amazement, if you will, of crafting that future state that we get to experience in the now. So when we're talking about leadership. We're talking about questions, big questions, such as the one we're talking about in this series. Are leaders born or made? Huge question. I get this a lot. And you've probably wondered this yourself. Am I relegated to certain leadership potential based on my traits? In other words, if I'm not the most social person, if I'm not the most driven or motivated person, if I'm not the most determined, what if my intelligence is not as high as the next person, right? What if I'm not as self-confident? There's all kinds of traits, if you will, that are closely associated with leadership. And we're going through these traits as, and leaders can develop integrity. In the second installment, we covered intelligence. And so we talked about different kinds of intelligence and that you can be intelligent in different areas and you can actually improve and increase. So leaders are born and they're made. In other words, you can be born with certain qualities that are inherent in your life 
But that doesn't necessarily make you an effective leader. You can have all of those central traits and then you can still be a flawed leader. It's the cultivation of those traits. It's a direction. It's having the right people around you to help master those traits, which help you to become a more effective leader. And there's so much more to it. And you may have been born without some of these in strong areas, as I talked about in the integrity episode where I didn't have a lot of integrity, but I learned to walk in integrity because I knew it was important to be whole and consistent in my leadership. And today we're going to talk about one that's really important. And so sociability is our discussion topic today. You think, well, Nate, I am an introvert. I don't really like the big crowds and I am someone who just likes to be alone most of the time. I'm characterized by, oh, I don't know. I like to spend time alone. I like to, you, you may consider an introvert someone who is not necessarily shy. You know, there, there's different kinds of introverts. Some introverts feel more comfortable focusing on their inner thoughts and just ideas rather than what's happening externally. Sometimes they enjoy spending time with just one or two people. They don't necessarily enjoy the crowd. This isn't always the case though. There are breaks in that. And some say that introverts are shy and quiet. That's not necessarily the case either. In fact, I am not an introvert, go figure. But my wife is a little introverted. But when she gets into a conversation with someone who she enjoys speaking with, they can talk for hours. So it's not necessarily that's the case. It's really a matter of how I interact socially. And so it's not necessarily that I'm not a, that I don't have sociability. It's the parameters. So you, if you're an introvert, don't think, oh, well, I can't be a great leader or an effective leader because I'm not highly sociable like my brother or my friend or my spouse is because I'm not the life of the party. Again, being the life of the party, air quotes, doesn't necessarily make you an effective leader. It's certainly it might make you have a higher degree of extroversion, but that doesn't necessarily equate to great leadership. You can be, now, and I'm, I'll talk about extroversion as well. You can be a person who's characterized by introversion and be such an effective leader. And I can cite examples of this in history. I think of people like uh, Rosa Parks, I think of Mahatma Gandhi. I think of Eleanor Roosevelt. These are historical leaders who are introverted, who have done so much. I mean, think of uh, even today, like a uh, Mark Zuckerberg, right? I mean, look, he's got the most widely known social network on the planet, Facebook, established, but he's an introvert. So there's a relationship between leadership and sociability that doesn't necessarily have to do with whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. Really what we're talking about in sociability, we're really talking about we are social creatures as humans. And our human interaction, our cooperation, our sense of progress, these are what we call you know patterns of cultural movement, how we organize as a social network. And as leaders, we must have a level of sociability. So whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, that's simply how I approach sociability. It doesn't necessarily mean whether or not I am sociable. 
let's take the extrovert and the introvert example, say at the party, right? And you think, well, the extrovert is clearly a better person who I'd want to follow because they're engaged, they're focused, they're lively, they're charming, they're inclusive, they're collaborative, cooperative. They're not building walls, they're tearing them down, right? You think, well, this is definitely a person who I could find and follow. And you say the introverted person is maybe just watching and learning and growing in terms of their understanding of the environment. And I tend to look at it like this, and this is not scientific by any means, but just based on my own observations, I think the introvert and the extroverted person in terms of sociability are both seeking the same outcome. They want to be safe and create a safe environment for themselves and for those who they, if their leaders desire to lead so that they can lead effectively. Because if you're not in a safe environment, you say, well, you know, battleships are safe in the harbor, but that's not what they were made for. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in preparation in growth and even sometimes as safe as it can be even in a battle you'd still opt for safety versus having unsafe environment if you had the choice between the two even as a battleship so when the extrovert is going out into battle if you will and then they're in a say the party environment they go out and they want to clear a perimeter so they can feel safe so how do they clear the perimeter they go talk mingle they socialize right they're clearing a perimeter around them so that they can feel safe in that environment the introvert sometimes does it in a different way they simply they survey the area they check the boundaries they check the borders they check the room and then as they become more acquainted with the conditions, the setting, and the circumstance, then they begin to draw out their border so that they can have a safe perimeter. And then they interact with those who they believe are going to lead them or grow with them or move them forward in this direction. And so they're both after the same thing. So if you're an introvert or you're an extrovert, you may just have a different process. And you may have been telling yourself lies. You may have been at the party and attempting to be someone that's not your true self. You know, you may have your true self and your false self. And the lies you've been telling yourself is, if you're an introvert, I have to be more like the extrovert. Or if you're the extrovert, I have to pull back and be more like the introvert. And it's not that that's the goal. In fact, and you may say, situationally, perhaps get out of your comfort zone and being slightly different in your approach Yes, but not necessarily the lie that you have to be someone else. You know, I've told myself lies. I've told myself lies that I have to be charming or funny or smart or in control to be an attractive leader, and I don't. In fact, I love the way Warren Bennis puts it. He says, you know, so the point is not to become a leader. And in other words, I don't have to focus on becoming a leader. The point is to become yourself, to use yourself completely, all your skills, your gifts, your energies in order to make your vision manifest. You must withhold nothing. You must become the person you started out to be. And here's the kicker. Enjoy the process of becoming. That's what we're talking about. When we're talking about being a social person, having sociability, don't focus so much about what others would like you to be. Be present over being perfect in the eyes of others. Be presently you. 
and that present you will manifest. And those who will desire to draw alongside of you, who have the common values, who desire your level of inclusiveness, that you're not going to dominate every environment, every situation, but you'll be collaborative. You won't be like the colonizers who were, in some ways, they got things done, but in some ways they destroyed some aspects of the indigene. I'm sorry, you're not going to build walls. You're going to tear them down. And uh, you're going to do it by just enjoying the process of becoming you. But if you are the hermit type, or if you're a loner and you don't want to be around people, then yes, you're right. You're not going to be a leader. Why? Because leaders have followers. And followers are, guess what? They're people. So if you don't want to have anything to do with people, then you're not going to be a leader if you want to be in isolation. Well, actually, we're going to cover that in just a little bit, especially with the pandemic. But if you desire to progress with others, that's a social construct. And so we've got to think about the different units. And in this grand scheme of thing, a human interaction, if we go way back, this is how progress happens. And really, friend, leadership and progress go hand in hand. It's about a better future state for you and those around you. That's really so much of the heart of what leadership is. You think about as humans, how we've organized. You know, first we organize in small groups like a family unit, right? Think about, I mean, if you look historically, right? Tribes organized as small groups and then we grew from there to form cities and larger groups. And then of course, think about how the ancient Mediterranean area grew as far as all of these social beings, all these social constructs beginning to interconnect and interweave from different perspectives. So you have people coming all over from the north, which would have been Europe, and then from the east, which would have been Asia, from the south would have been Africa, from the west, which would have been Spain and Portugal and West Africa as well. And those areas congregated in the eastern Mediterranean and the central eastern Mediterranean. We're talking about Italy, Greece, the Levant, which is Syria, Lebanon, and those areas, and of course, Egypt all around there. So this entire area began to grow tremendously in terms of the exchange of information and knowledge because we had so much diversity. I love diversity, by the way. I think diversity is the essential aspect of growth because you learn from one another and you can change. And that's the thing about leadership. Leadership is change. And so you want change for what? The better right? Change in a better future state. Change that progresses and moves us forward. And so you think about when we start to bind as a humanity in social contexts, we begin to learn new ways and adapt and grow. And so this is what was happening in that era. And then of course you can fast forward now. The colonization age, right? The era of colonizing. Now I'm not necessarily a fan of colonization and that's maybe another episode for another day. But if you think about how Again, social beings, right? There was cooperation between these European nations and they dominated over the rest of the world. They, they were, they were a, a force. Now, again, whether or not this was the best way for humanity to move forward. But the point is, is that each age, when we have cooperation, creates power. And that power gives us an opportunity for leadership. So you think about this new age that we're in, this information age, right? Think about the age 
where we have these devices, these phones and these computers, and we can access and connect with people all over the world instantaneously. It's amazing. I mean, I, and coming from my vantage point, because I'm in my late 40s now, and I was born in the 70s, and this is something that I've watched adapt from nothing. We didn't have computers when I was a kid. When I wanted to figure out who I wanted to play with, I went and knocked on a door And when I was a kid. And if uh, you know, Johnny was home or Johnny wasn't eating, or Johnny would come out and play. Can Billy come out and play? Kind of thing. And today, you can play with a thousand Johnnies, a thousand Billies online in a gaming atmosphere. You can connect with anybody who has connectivity to the internet. And so not only that, but ideas now are being able to be proliferated. Now you think, well, isn't that information overload? Isn't it too social? Don't we have too much social interaction? And there's a possibility for that. I think that as we embark on this new age, we'll find the caveats and the challenges and the ways we, we're going to have to continue to grow and adapt because we're going to face new problems and new challenges. And we are facing them today. Yes, the answer is yes. We can be have too much social interaction. But the point is, is that we as humans desire collaboration. We desire engagement. And it's been said that uh, you know we have these violent instincts as humans and we channel them into social interaction. It's actually considered play. We channel them into play and we we are uh, regulating out of domination and submission and into cooperation. And I believe that was Dr. Keith Witt who shared that. So in social dilemmas, you know, we want to regulate into novelty. We want to regulate into play. And this is really where we start to hang out in this area as we talk about this episode. I know that my desire as a leader is going to be cooperation and play over domination. And I think it's important for us to like hang out here for a little bit because when we are faced with a new challenge in leadership, we may have people around us who are very dominant. And if we're self-aware, we can move from a constraint environment where we're constrained by this force and dominance into an environment of collaboration, empowering, persuasion, engagement. You know, this is how we collaborate over criticizing. This is how we exhibit sociability. So for example, I run into people all the time who are, what we call them, type A, mavericks. In fact, a lot of my leadership elite group members are mavericks and captains. So that's what we call them in this predictive index survey system. So maverick, someone who has a very high drive. They're very dominant. They want to achieve. And those are individuals who I have a wonderful interaction with because I love to become more involved in what they're doing because they're so incredibly driven and I act as a guide. So I don't act as, hey, I'm going to dominate over you. I'm going to overcome your will. I'm going to force you into submission. No, I'm going to ask, where is it that you want to go? And is there a way that I can help you to get there? And even in that moment, what happens is 
you go from adversarial to becoming an ally. So when you're faced with someone, you might be the dominant person, by the way. You might be thinking, wow, that's me. I'm the dominant person. I'm always like fight, 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 charge, 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 you know, take no prisoners, right? But there's a lot of energy expended on the dominance piece when sometimes we can pull back from domination and move directly into collaboration. That doesn't mean that it's always an either or. There's a sometimes a, a harmony or a symbiosis that can go along with both dominance and collaboration because you can spend you can also spend so much time collaborating that you never get anything done in fact if i'm in a room with another collaborator so you know collaborators are very social beings right we always want to have conversations we always want to talk things through and i've sat in a room with a fellow collaborator who's there's a collaborator in our group too and we could talk for hours and hours and hours and really get nowhere in terms of getting decisions made it's been a stimulating conversation we've had lots of fun but we need that person in the room who has a dominant aspect of their social ability to help move things along say okay guys now let's set out some action steps here and let's get this moving. So I know that I've faltered there as someone who is highly collaborative. So don't think just because you're really collaborative that, wow, you know, I'm just going to be a, an amazing leader because I can be so sociable. And don't think that because you're highly dominant that you're going to be an ineffective leader because you'll just steamroll over people and nobody will ever want to follow you. Neither of those are true necessarily if you employ the effectiveness of leadership through what we define as leadership, which is what? Leadership is the discovery of, influence toward, and achievement of shared purpose. If we share a purpose that we can discover together and that we can influence on that journey, and of course, effective leadership is built on achievement, getting there together. And so when we're talking about leadership at the business level, right, collaborative engagement, that's how we work together through these business challenges, different levels of sociability, different kinds of sociability, but we have to have it. Egalitarianism, right? When we're sitting here trying to be someone who is, you know, understands equality and this idea of cooperation over dominance through agreed upon rules, because then we can work in safety and we can plan. And so that's how that looks. At the family level, same thing. We can move into a sociable relationship to where we can be cooperative and begin to break the ice. You know, I, I think about like icebreakers. Comedy, you ever hear about, you know, comedy is an icebreaker. Why? Because it's collaborative engagement. And so even like I think about at the political level, think of like a politicians who can employ icebreakers to collaboratively engage think of like a reagan during his debates he was funny he was attractive he was likable right bill clinton very sociable guy right played the saxophone he smoked pot of course he didn't inhale but these are ways which we begin to connect with one another sociably so that we can again collaborate and collectively move persons from constraint to play to growth to progress. That's how we structure our social interactions. And to me, what a beautiful way to think about sociability. You don't have to be born sociable. 
And you could have been overly sociable and people like, oh my goodness, that person again, they're always having conversations and they're always wanting to talk. I think having a bit of self-awareness is really important. But I also think the most important piece of social sociability is remembering that we are humans who desire to interact. And if you even think about the pandemic, the isolation, we were so isolated, we didn't have an opportunity to connect. And we were having problems. I know people would come into my office after the pandemic like, oh, I'm so glad to see somebody in person, not just on a, a video call. And so bind together sociably, gather together, and move the human condition forward. That's it, my friend. I'm so glad you joined me a little bit about sociability and how we can move forward as social creatures. I can't wait for you to join me on the next episode. I'm Dr. Nate Sala, and this is A Call to Leadership. Well, my friend, thank you for joining me on this episode of A Call to Leadership. If you've been listening, you've probably heard me talk about our accounting and advisory business. And this show was actually born out of that business, those relationships. I found that entrepreneurs and professionals were missing aspects of their leadership that fed into their bottom line and helped their businesses be successful. So I'm so thankful that I've had all those years in that area to feed into this. And the truth is that so many people still need accounting and advisory help and they don't know where to go. If you're in that place where you feel, oh my goodness, my tax person or my accountant, I can't find them, or maybe the service wasn't up to my expectations, do not despair. I'll leave how you can find us in the show notes, and one of my team members can do some discovery and help you along your journey. You're not alone, my friend. You always have help. I'm Dr. Nate Sala. Can't wait to see you on the next show of A Call to Leadership.